So, uh, Nehemiah and chapter 1. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakala. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was in the forest of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going so well. For those who have returned to the providence of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. Have you ever had some times where things just aren't going so well? The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned, I fasted, and I prayed to the God of heaven. And this is what I said. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and his unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer, God. Look down and see the praying, see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commandments and the decrees and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Lord, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments and live by them, Then, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Real quick interjection right here. This is this is such an important part of his prayer that he's praying because he's he's reiterating the word of God that's already been given to him through Moses. And he's reminding God, God, remember this. These are your words, God. Remember this, and he said, if you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. And this is very important because this is a time in the history of Israel where they have been hauled off and they've been in captivity for the last 70 years. So for 70 years, this is God's people have been in captivity. So when he's praying this prayer, he's saying, listen, God, everything that you've said is happening. We were unfaithful to you. We sinned. We did all this. And and if you're unfaithful, we'll scatter among the nations. But you return to me and obey my commandments. And that's what's happening. In Nehemiah, the people of God are being released from this captivity and they're heading back into Jerusalem. They're heading back into uh, the areas surrounding Jerusalem and they're, they're rebuilding what's in, in shambles. The temple is torn down. The wall is torn down. And he's saying, listen, God, this was your word. We failed. We've sinned. We've done this. We've, we've been in captivity and now your people are returning. We were scattered among the nations. But now... We return and, and, and obey my commandments and live by them. Then even you, the, the exiles to the ends of the I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and your strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today 
by making the king favorable towards me, put it into his heart to be kind to me. Because in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. Nehemiah is telling this story, and it starts off. Actually, before that, let me read two other scriptures. And then uh, James 5, 16 and 17. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human. He was a man as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that there would be no rain would fall. And none fell for three and a half years. Jeremiah 1 and 5. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So back to, Jer- back to Nehemiah. Um, there's this moment in his life where there's a disruption. The people are being free. The people are coming back from captivity into Jerusalem. And his brother, he sees them maybe across the hall or whatever. And, and he makes this inquiry about the people of God. Hey, how are things looking? And to which he gets this response back, things aren't going so well. Everything's in shambles. There's the people, they, they're, they're, they're disgraced. It, it, it's pretty bad. And his first reaction is to hit his face and start praying. God, and he, he just prays this prayer that we talked a little bit about. And, and, and the thing is, I believe that in 2015, God wants to disrupt your life. See, with Nehemiah, it was just a simple inquiry of, well, how are things going over there? See, because here's the thing about Nehemiah. The people were in captivity for 70 years. At Nehemiah's point in time in his life, he's, he's historically a little bit of a younger man. So there's the, the very good possibility that he is one that's never known freedom. He's lived his life, uh, uh, he, he's become a cupbearer to the king. So the talks of uh, a free Israel is something that he's read about through the scriptures and the writings of Moses. It's something that maybe his father and his grandfather talked about. It's because, this, guys, you should have seen the temple. You should have seen all the glories. You should have seen all these things. And so for freedom for him, it was kind of, well, an idea of what could be, but he had never experienced it for himself. And so when people started returning back to the land, he was, well, he was staying well with what he knew. But there was still something in his heart. There was something in his heart that said, man, but that's my hometown. Those are my people. And, and even though I'm comfortable here, every, even though everything is going right here, something's not quite right. And so there's this inquiry, how are things going? And then there's a disruption in his life, things aren't going so well. And see, we live in a time where it's natural for us as, as human beings to seek out comfort. We want things to just be comfortable. I mean, who in here wants to be uncomfortable? As a matter of fact, if we kind of took out all the chairs this morning and no bean bags or nothing, you'd be sitting on the floor right now and you'd be uncomfortable. I'd be, oh man, why did they do that? What? Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. There's chairs for your comfort. 
you know, your cars, for all these things that and we love comfort, you know. But the thing about it is sometimes we pursue comfort so much that we get it. We get everything that makes us comfortable. And you want to know what happens? We find out that comfortable is really, really boring. We've been, never been so bored in all of our lives than when everything is just going right. And everything is perfect. And everything is just... And, and we've had as many lobster dinners as we could eat. And we've had all of the... And then there's a moment where we say, Lord, I just need something. There needs to be a disruption. And then God brings it. And then it's very uncomfortable. We kind of get the very thing that we've been praying for. And then all of a sudden... Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. That's not exactly what I meant. <laughs> and so we want to go back. But, but think about this for a minute. You know, what if, what if I was to get up here and tell you some stories of, man, did, did I tell you about the time that I got arrested and thrown in jail in Indonesia? Did I tell you about the time that I almost fell off this mountain in India and almost killed myself? Did I tell you about the time that I had to sleep under protection of the United Nations and I was preaching the gospel and people were throwing rocks at me? Or did I tell you about the time that there was some, some guys trying to do some, some voodoo stuff on the sideline while we're praying for people to get healed? Or did I tell you about the time that I got stuck in a well on an island that was named Bread? You'd love to hear those stories. You know why? Because, well, there's some conflict. There's some danger, some uncomfort. Do you want me to tell you the story of the time I, well, what was that time I jammed my toe? And there was the time that the refrigerator stopped working. That threw off the whole day, you know. And then there was that time that, you know, no. But yet, that's kind of how we want our lives to go. And that comfort. And God saying, listen, there's going to be a disruption. There's going to be a disruption in your life. There's something that's been in your heart for maybe it's been years. And maybe it's just been the stories of your father. And maybe it's just been the stories of your grandfather. But there's something in you that says, I know it's to be true. And I need to experience it for me. Because here's the thing. Sunday after Sunday, day after day, week after week, we open the scriptures. And we say, I know it to be true, but God, to be honest with you, I'm not experiencing any of these things that you're talking about. I, I look at the scriptures and, and Jesus, I see that, man, you're, you're walking by on the street. People were touching and getting healed and there was resurrection from the dead. And there was all of these amazing things that I believe, Lord, and I believe it happened. And there's a peace that passes all understanding and there's all of these things. And yet, God, what? I don't see any of it. As a matter of fact, it's just stories that the preacher tells. It's just stories that the missionary told that happened in a faraway country in Africa and all of these blind eyes got open and all of these things happened. And to be honest with you, God, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of hearing the stories. I want a disruption. Um, and this week, um, I feel like I've, I've had a little bit of the disruption in my life. Very, very uncomfortable week. Very much a moment where Nehemiah's brother says to him, things aren't going so well. And so I, I found myself like Nehemiah, just been praying, praying, praying this week. 
And some things have come to the service, some, some good things and some bad things. And, and some of the good things is this. As a pastor, uh, not, as, not as a pastor, as a member of humanity, <laughs> I'm constantly questioning my motives. I've got, I want to make sure that I'm doing these, what I'm doing for the right reasons. And um, one of my things that I could stand before you guys and say is doing what we do here at the church and, and, and being and being some of you guys as pastor, it's, I could say I have pure motives. There's nothing that you have that I want. There's nothing that you could do for myself or for the church that would in any way lead me to one side or the other to treat you better or worse or anything like that. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that pure milk. I thank God that for my family. I, I love my family. My, my little girl right here, she's in Danny's arms and she's just smiling. And I love this girl. And I don't, I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I just know it in my heart. I love my wife and I love my kids. I love my church. I love the scriptures. I love the scriptures. I love opening them up and God just just speaking to me and, and the life that comes out of it. You know, as a matter of fact, in, in the Hebrew and the Greek, the same word for for breath and spirit is the same breath and spirit. That God would breathe on us. That his spirit would just. To us. And I open the scriptures. And that happens. And I love it. But then. There's also. This moment. There's this moment. Where. All of these things that I love. You guys as a church. uh, The community that we live in. The beach my family, Jesus, the scriptures, there's, there's this thank you, God, that what you've done in my life. But then there's the realization that I failed every one of them. I failed God. I've failed my wife. I've failed my kids. I've read the scriptures and know the scriptures and I've done the complete opposite of what they've told me to do. And there's this moment where I look in the mirror and I see everything that I should be and yet I see everything that I am. And I have what I like to call the Michael Jackson moment. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message's gonna bend any clever. If you wanna make the world a better place, you wanna make the world a better place. You gotta look at yourself. Make a change. Let it play for a second. And Nehemiah looked. And he had this disruption in his life. And he said, God, it wasn't because of their sin. It wasn't because of the church. But God, we've sinned. I've sinned. I've seen your commandments 
And God, I have fallen short. It's not someone else's problem. Because we're full of excuses. I, I could blame it on my wife. I could blame it on you guys. I could blame it on these things and these circumstances. I could blame it on everything. And I think God says, blah, 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 blah. Who wants to hear the excuses? There's a moment where you got to look and start talking to the man in the mirror. And I'm asking him to change his ways. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. And Nehemiah hits his face and says, God, we've sinned. And God, I repent. Next week is going to be an awesome, awesome week here. We're going to talk about some, some vision with the church and some things that God showed us. I've got some guys working on some special projects. And, and, I, and even this week, I wanted to kind of rev everything up with talking about vision but I realized, God, before any of that, we've got to repent. We've got to repent. Because there's, there's the man I want to be. There's the man I am now. But there has to be this realization, guys. It, what, let me put it this way. Here is the American delusion that many of us have bought into. I call it the Home Depot Christianity. Have you ever seen the Home Depot commercials? You can do it. We can help. And we've turned God into that. Where you can do it, God can help. You can do it, and Jesus can help. That's not what the gospel teaches. As a matter of fact, the gospel says the exact same, the exact opposite. The gospel says, you can't do it. You will fail as a pastor. You will fail as a husband, as a wife, as a husband, as a, as a, a, a father, as a mother, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. You're going to fail. And no matter how good you try to become, no matter how long you spend doing all of these things, your righteousness it's like filthy rags. Now, I'm not going to explain to you what that means in the Greek, but look it up. It's not a pretty sight. But that's in us. The idea of I can do it. I can do it. I could become. I could, I, you know, it's like those Home Depot things. Have you ever, oh, it just, it's so easy. You just spread the stuff and you lay the tile down there and, it, and then you go home and you try to do it and your tile job looks like waves. And, you know, or let me put it like this. Have you ever, you remember back in the day, there was the guy, uh, Bob Ross, that would do the paintings. And he would just start off with this canvas. Oh, we just have this beautiful, pretty, wonderful canvas. And I just got some paint here. Oh, we're just going to paint a beautiful tree here. So you just take the brush and you just, you just make this mountaintop. Oh, let's just put some snow on the mountain. We'll put some birds and we'll put a lake. And in 30 minutes, he has this masterpiece. And he's talking to you like, oh, it's just so, oh, you just do this. And you're trying to do it. And his, his looks like it belongs in a museum, and yours looks like it's a third-grade finger-painting contest. You know? 
Because it's that idea of you can do it. God can help. God's saying, hold on a second. There's that moment where you do look in the mirror and you see all of your failures. And you see, God, I've, I've failed and I've failed. As a matter of fact, I just did this. And God, why did I do this? And we find ourselves amongst the company of men and women that have said the same thing. Paul says, listen, there are all these things that I want to do, but I don't do them. There's all these things that I don't want to do, and I'm doing those things. And see, if we're not careful, we could look at this book and we could read these scriptures and we could be fooled into thinking it's a book about heroes. It's not. There's no heroes but one. See, I love it because I love looking at the lives of these men and I love looking at them. And I love it when I read the scripture in James where it says, and Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. He was a man just like us. Elijah got nothing on me. Elijah got nothing on you. All those things that he did and everything that we read about, we could do those things too. He says, and and Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. It's not because he was a superhero. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. And he was messed up. Elijah was messed up. By the end, he was, he was running. He was running away, and he was fearful. And he was, God, I can't do this, and I, I want to quit. And, I wanna, uh, and he's whining and blah, blah, blah. And he had all of his excuses, and, but yet all of these things that God used him for. He was a man just like me. I, I think about Peter. I love Peter. Y'all know that I, I really relate to Peter because uh, Peter's constantly with his foot in his mouth. I constantly put my foot in my mouth. You know, there's actually this moment where they're arresting Jesus and, and, and Peter chops off a dude's ear and Jesus has to heal it. I'm like, I'm just like that. I'm constantly chopping ears off and Jesus has to come and fix it. And, it, but there's this moment where, where you look at these men and these women's life and, and you say, I'm just like those guys. It's not about me being a hero. And see, when I take that moment and I look in the mirror and I see everything, here's the beauty of the gospel. You can't do it, but he can. And there's only one way, and that's through his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ made it possible. And it's not just that he can, it's that he did. He did. He made a way. He made a way for you to overcome those sins that so easily beset you. He made a way in the midst of all of our failures, in the midst of all of our just pain and suffering, in the midst of all of that. Jesus says, when I look at you, if we were to look at you trying to be good, it's like filthy rags. But when we take a look at me, when you take a look in the mirror, and then all of a sudden it's no longer about you, but you see me and you see the power of resurrection in your life. And then that leads us to just like Nehemiah, Lord God, I want to humble myself and pray and fast. Because here's the thing. Just like with Jeremiah. Before you were even born. Before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew you. And he had a plan for each one of your lives. And you can look in that mirror and you could think you're so far away from that plan. And you you think that, well, I'm worth nothing or all of these things. Let me reassure you. 
that we serve a God who wastes nothing. And he is not through with you yet. If there is air in your lungs, there is hope. As a matter of fact, even if there's not air in your lungs, because we serve a God of resurrection. And I don't know about you, but I want to see that kind of power in my life. I want to open up the scriptures and not just tell you the stories of these men and women. I want to hear your story and my story and all of our stories of what God is doing in our life. And I, let me tell you, I want to lay my hands on people and see them healed. Imagine it. You know, sometimes I think about church and I think, you know, these people have gotten offended for this reason or they've gotten offended for this reason. And they've all, I said, God, what if just someone came in here and you just raised them from the dead? Or, you know, just some, you know, wheelchair homeboy gets up and starts walking around. Would they still be offended then? Maybe. But I guarantee you this place would be packed out. And the other churches would be packed out. And everyone would say, listen, it's not about Coastal Vineyard. It's not about Lucas. It's not about this pastor or this pastor. It's about, have you seen what God is doing in Shalot? In where? In Charlotte? No, 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 Shalot. Shalate. We're on the map sometimes. And do you want that? Do you want to see the power of God operating in your life? Do you want 2015 to be not comfortable. There's a disruption that's taking place. And we're going to fail. We're going to mess up. And there'll be road bumps along the way. You know, Nehemiah's story goes on where he starts this great work of rebuilding the wall. And there were those that were against him. People will be against you. Everything won't be smooth sailing. But Nehemiah said, listen, I'm doing this work. I can't come down from this wall. And it was a part of him. And you know why he was able to do, and I believe that he was able to complete that work. Because from the very beginning, he dropped down to his knees and he began to pray. It says he, for days now, I've, I've prayed and I've stopped what I'm doing. And I'm mourning and I'm fasting. Because here's the thing. When we do those things, when we're, we're confronted with the disruption in our life, see, there's a part of us that just wants to get to work. Oh, well, I could change this. Uh, we could go and we could work with these things with poverty. Or we could work with these things with hurting women. Or we could do these things in the community. And let's get busy with the vision. And God says, no, you need to stop and you pray. Because this is what happens when you begin to pray and fast and mourn. You then enter in the pain. You enter in the pain of the very ones that you're getting ready to go and help. You know what it's like to, oh man, now, now I'm hungry, but I, I'm, I, I'm hungry for something even more. And, and it's no longer just based upon emotionalism. It's no longer just a vision that says, oh, I would really like to do that. And then two weeks later, we've forgotten about it. But no, because we've entered in. And let me tell you guys, as a church, we, we've, we've gone through some things. As a matter of fact, uh, 
I had a conversation with a gentleman this week, and he said this to me, and it was so good. He said, you know, sometimes, he said, Lucas, sometimes I just kind of feel like we're sheep, and, and you're the shepherd, but we don't know where you're taking us. And I thought, you're right, because I feel like that too. Because I feel like I'm the sheep too, and I'm doing my best just to follow the shepherd. And there's often times where I have no clue where he's taking us. And so I can't tell you. I'm not going to make something up. I've tried to do that. The first few years of the church, I tried to, hey, this is where we're eh, It didn't work. It wasn't me. And so I know exactly how you feel. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus teaches As a matter of fact, there's many times in my life where God has me do things and I have no clue why. There was this time in college where I had to go out and and the leaders had me dig this big hole. And and this is Texas. This is Dallas, Texas. This is hard, dry land. This is like tumbleweeds and, you know, no rain for 20 years. And so I'm digging this hole and all day long, you know, sweating. And I get this thing. It's like six feet deep. It's pretty big around. And, hey, you know, I've done the hole. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm like, okay, why? And, you know, don't, I don't hear why anyway. Uh, next few, le- few days later, he calls me into the office. Lucas, could you go fill in the hole? All right, whatever. So I'm filling in the hole, and I'm mad. <laughs> I need to know how. Is this some kind of lesson this guy's trying to teach me? I don't need this lesson, God. You know, yeah, you could teach me another way. And, and I fill in the hole. And that was it. Well, a few months later, down the road, there was a, uh, a youth camp. Part of the youth camp, they did this promo video for it. And part of the promo video was um, they had a guy that had fallen in a hole. And so they needed that for the video. And then it showed him getting out of the hole. And I realized, oh, that's what it was. That's what you had, God. And honestly, as your pastor, for the last five years, I felt like God has had me digging a hole. And I don't, I, I couldn't tell you exactly where we were going. And about a year ago, I felt like I had some direction. I had like this Nehemiah moment. And I said, I, I got it, but I have to make sure that this is, just isn't me. And so I went to Chris and I went to Tim and some of these guys that are on the board of directors of the church. And I said, we just need to pray about this. Do you, what do you feel about this and, and the vision that God's given? Is it, is it part? You know, am I just missing it? And so we've, we've been praying and fasting. You know, five years. Five <laughs> And, uh, and next week, I want to show you guys some of the things that God's revealed to us. But before we get there, I think this morning was so important because it has to start with repentance. Saying, God, I'm taking a good look at the man in the mirror. Lord, I can't do it without you. I don't want to do it without you. My righteousness is like filthy rags. And I'm going to fail. I failed so many times before, and I know it's going to happen again. But God, you made a way. Beyond all of my excuses, I want to see you do something in my life. I want to see you do something in this church's life. I want to hear your story. But your story starts with repentance. It starts with taking personal responsibility like Nehemiah did. Saying, it's not the pastor's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not my boss's fault or the work's fault or my wife's fault. It's my fault. And I've sinned. Forgive me. Let's pray.
This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.